to the Owlish Folk, a podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is Dave, with whom I'd like to have a raucous computation with soon. A raucous computation? Yes. Raucous meaning rowdy and noisy. Mm-hmm. Computation, like copulation. <laughs> Not exactly. Um, no. A uh, computation means an episode of drinking or carousing together. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I wish we could. Yeah, we should just start doing it during the podcast. <laughs> well, computation is an interesting word. It comes from the Latin computation. And the word potation, the act of drinking, comes from that. And I was thinking about the word potation. I was thinking of like potable water, potable water, which you can drink. But the word that I chose is compotation. Compotation. But potare is to drink. Yes. In Latin, potare. And that's where potation comes from. Yes. Compotation. Drink together. I like yes. that. I think that's a really cool word, man. But I found some really obsolete compound words that are pretty funny. Go on then. So you can have potation money. It's a drinking money. Yeah. Money given for the purchase of drink. Yeah, drinking money. And potation penny. A drinking penny? So when you're not going to drink much? No, it's a contribution towards drinking expenses. (laughs) (laughs) So if your wife gives you an allowance, that's your potation penny. Your drinking allowance. But anyway, I decided to choose this word because Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year. Are you tearing up? (laughs) Um, I'm just cutting some onions. Oh, no. Heavens to Betsy. So what is the question of the episode? Today's question is related to New Year. So a New Year, we make New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. The question is, what is the difference between a resolution and a promise? Why do we say New Year's resolution and not New Year's promise? And this question, I keep forgetting to do this. This question came through our email uh, service. Our email slot. Yeah, it was popped into our email box. And please send us your questions by email to theowlishvote at gmail.com. Who sent it? This question was sent in by Julie. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. But she's right that we say New Year's resolution and we don't say New Year's promise, but we are making a promise to ourselves, right? Yeah, when I think of resolution, I think of to resolve. So very quickly, before we dig into this further, uh, I looked up some definitions for this. So resolution, strong will and determination, a state of being resolute, mm. uh, which is kind of what you said, or resolve, and a statement of intent. So okay. something you strongly intend to do, you're determined to do, is a resolution. Or a vow, a promise. So there's some overlap here, because promise is also a vow, right. or an oath, an affirmation, or a promise is a transaction between two people where one person agrees to perform some future action in return for something immediate. Promise is also future potential. So something that might become good or real in the future has promise. So we might say about um, a child who plays sport quite well, oh, they have great promise. They might be great in the future. Um, Anyway, we'll dig more into these after the uh, musical interlude. start by talking about why we have New Year's resolutions. Yeah, great idea. 
So New Year's resolutions, that tradition actually goes back to ancient times. And it was something that agricultural societies did. So for example, in 2000 BC, the Babylonians created the New Year for 11 days, starting with the vernal equinox. And one of the resolutions during that time was returning the borrowed farm equipment. Oh, so they would promise to do that. They would uh, resolve to yeah. take back what they borrowed. That's right. Okay. Why did they need to make a promise to do this? I don't know. Okay. Do you know? No, but um, they had a 12-day religious festival called Akitu. And this takes us back to the previous episodes about Christmas, where there's the 12 days of Christmas. So the Babylonians had this huge end-of-year festival. And during that time, they would promise to pay any debts. They would mm. um, promise to give back anything they had borrowed. Yeah. And this, yeah, it was, became New Year's resolutions. Uh, if they kept their word, so if they paid back the money or anything they owed, if they took back the things they had borrowed then the gods would favor them with a productive harvest. Mm. Yeah, and it was also a time of leisure for farmers. They weren't harvesting, they weren't growing anything. So, um, you know, after having been industrious in the summer, now you can retire from doing all of your work during the harvest in the fall or in the autumn, and then in the wintertime, relax and get ready to start all over again. Because yeah. the springtime is when they start doing everything. Yeah, I suppose the wintertime is where is the off-season for farmers, generally. And I think, in general, the, the winter months, they're dark, long days, and you just have a lot of time to kind of think about things that you could change hmm. or work on changing, I suppose. Um, the Babylonian New Year was adopted by the Romans, and eventually, this idea, this ancient um, celebration, shifted to the Julian calendar, and that's when the month of January was named. And we talked about that a couple of episodes ago as well. Oh, after Janus or Jana, Janus? Janus or oh, Janus. Janus. Yeah, I think it's pronounced a lot of different ways. Um, and that's the two-faced Roman god who looks forward for beginnings, backwards for reflection and resolution. So the whole month of January represented in that two-faced god of looking forward and also looking back. I think that's really... Uh, so the Romans would make their sacrifices and their resolutions to Janus. Yes. The god for whom January is named. Yeah, so from the Romans then this idea of new, celebrating New Year and making New Year's resolutions moved into Christian traditions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Christians would make their promises and their resolutions to be more devout or whatever and make their promises to their God. So on New Year's Eve, Christians would gather together and they would sing hymns and they would pray together mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully make their promises that they could mm -hmm. keep for the next year in order to be blessed by the God they believed in. But these days, generally, when we make a New Year's resolution, we don't think about a, a God. We I mean, I, I guess perhaps some people do, mm -hmm. but generally we just make a promise like to ourselves yeah. to be a better person or to, to do certain things differently in the coming year. Yeah, to continue good things that we've been working on. Mm. Yeah, but 
I wonder if making a promise to a deity because you believe making keeping that promise mm. will lead to rewards and breaking that promise will lead to maybe punishments. Maybe that helps you keep your promise. So I bet the Babylonians who borrowed farm equipment and promised to return it were more reliable at returning their mm. farm equipment than people these days who promise to themselves that they'll go to the gym every week yeah. and then go maybe two or three times and quit. I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of trying to improve for the new year, but I really hate just the repetitive trendy resolutions that everyone has every year. Quit smoking, stop drinking a lot, lose weight, eat healthy, go to the gym, you know, and then a month goes by and people don't do any of them. That's because people pick things that they feel that they should have done in the past but they don't want to do now mm. but they can imagine a future version of themselves might be disciplined yeah. enough to do those things but if they were really going to do it they would have done it already yeah. for most of those things and that's why I think people don't keep these resolutions yeah. they imagine themselves to be a better version they're of themselves they're kind of unattainable too I mean I'm not saying it's unattainable to quit smoking but that's a very hard addiction to kick so it takes time and a lot of mental and physical energy to be able to do that and I don't know you just can't say okay January 1st I'm gonna go do it and do it yeah I don't no. know I mean maybe some people can but you know I've tried I've made those promises before to myself and I've never been able to do them well I have a list of the most popular New Year's resolutions oh let's hear them for last year for okay. 2018 so number one equal number one is eat healthier and get more exercise and save more money. Ooh. So these were equally popular at 37% of the vote each. Now you can't do all three of those at the same time. That's impossible. Next most popular is no resolution at all. <laughs> so 32% of people polled said, I don't make resolutions because they're realistic. That's a resolution though. I promise not to make a promise. I think if you always aim to improve yourself, mm. you don't need to make a New Year's yeah. resolution. All right, next on the list, focus on self-care. For example, get more sleep. Number six, read more. Number seven, make new friends. Number eight, learn a new skill. Number nine, get a new job. Ooh. And number 10, start a new hobby. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what is your resolution for 2019? Do you have one? I actually sat down and kind of just thought about my past year and my husband and I have a really important kind of move happening for 2019 so um, a lot of things are going to be interesting. A lot of these things on the list I'm continually always working on. It's not like it's something that I'm going to do starting the new year. Mm. These are kind of like reading, starting new hobbies, exercising, eating healthy, whatever, that's part of my lifestyle. I don't always do that. I don't always do them as much as I want to, but it's not something that I said, okay, starting January 1st, I'm going to do these. I think one of, I kind of mentioned to you earlier, I do want to work on giving myself more free time mm. and relax downtime because I do feel like the past year, uh, I've just kind of rushed around so much and I didn't really pay attention to myself so getting massages more you know saying I don't have to do some house chores if I don't want to do them yeah you know so that would be self-care on this list yeah here it says get more sleep but get more massages yeah. not burden yourself with chores that so. probably aren't immediately important um what about you 
Uh, like you, I think, you know, I constantly strive to be a better me. Mm, you are a better you every moment I'm <laughs> with you. I would you. say, no, I want to read more. The thing is, when you, I think at New Year you get your new mm. diary. I still use a paper diary, mm -hmm. a book diary. So I look through it and it's full of just empty pages, so much promise and time yeah. and potential. So I feel like, oh, I could do this many gym trips, gym visits during the week <laughs> and read this many books. And then very quickly it fills up with yeah. all the obligations you have. And so, yeah, I would like to so spend more time just reading. So how many books did you read last year? I have no idea. But I have young children, so mm. a lot of the books I read are just a dozen pages long. Well, I mean books that you're interested in, because my husband and I write down... You have a list of We have books. a list, yeah, we, we write. Yeah. Okay. On my Kindle, I have a record of all the things mm -hmm. I've read. So, um, about probably 25. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. And that's not including the kids' books, if I include those. <laughs> no, the kids' books are not included. <laughs> yeah. I listed up to 47, but I have a lot that I haven't marked down on my list. So, so I, you read more than the book a week? I'm actually kind of, well, sometimes. sometimes. Mm. But as you, on my e-reader, I often have many books open. Mm. So actually, what I kind of started doing was, a few days a week, I have certain days assigned to certain books. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, you know, Monday I have one book I'm reading and then maybe like Wednesday. Because I kind of tried to do like every day. Mm. Like for like a couple of weeks I had like seven days, one book. So I was reading like seven books at once. Oh. And they actually didn't cross. It wasn't hard to remember what was going on because they were all really different. Yeah. But then I started feeling really overwhelmed and it became, you know, like the first couple of weeks was fun. But then like the third week it was kind of... I was like, oh no, I felt like it was almost homework. I feel like that if I have two books on the go, that's, that's yeah. my limit. And even then I feel stressed sometimes. I yeah, just, it, it created yeah. stress for me and I was like, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. The question was about the difference between promise and resolution. And I did look into this a little bit more. So. Um, Promise, meaning a pledge or a vow, comes from Old French. And before that, it comes from Latin. Um, the Old French promise and the Latin promissum. The same kind of meaning as promise now, but it also embedded in the Latin is why this means promise. So it means like to send forth or to assure beforehand. And you've got pro, meaning before, and then you've got missum, which is like the word mission, which is to do something with intent, a mm. declaration about the future. So pro and mission and something you're going to uh, attend to in the future. So I've also got the word um, resolution, which comes from resolve, right? Resolve is connected to solve. To solve again. To solve again. But what does solve mean? Solve means meant originally to disperse or dissipate or loosen from latin solvere to loosen or dissolve to untie something to release to detach to I'm unlock to scatter dismiss accomplish and so from these words you can imagine yeah if there's a problem that needs to be fixed you can undo the problem the i problem was gonna is like a knot 
Yeah, I was going to say untie out of all of those words or meanings sounds the best or explains it the best. So you could talk about solving your shoelaces or something <laughs> like that. Yes, um, as if they're a problem to be to be fixed, but also just a, a not to be untied. I like that. Yeah, so resolve comes from that idea. The idea of breaking into parts from old French resolution or um, from Latin the, pro the process of reducing things into simpler forms. Simple forms, that's the key word. Yeah. So the idea of a New Year's resolution comes from around the 1780s. So the idea of solving a problem to untie or to loosen, to um, make correct, then becomes this idea of doing this in the future, the, hmm. the promise of solving future problems. Um, and resolve is the also the commitment to do something or to solve a problem in the future. That's a really cool history. It is, right? Thanks for that. Now, another word for a promise is, beginning with P... Pledge. Yes! Yes. A pledge, meaning originally surety or bail, like when you post bail. I was going to say, I always think pledge, like pledge money to somebody or right. something. You pledge money to a charity, a promise of something you will give. It's also a hostage, could be a pledge or oh. some kind of security, something that is that you use to secure money, right? An item of value to secure a loan. Mm. So this is also a um, pledge. <laughs> now this comes from Old Saxon, plegan which means vouch for. Um, so all these Germanic languages, Dutch or High German. Um, so the, the High German is flegan, um, Old English pleon, to risk losing something or to expose something to danger to put your precious items at risk. And this comes right back to the Proto-Indo-European root word, meaning to engage yourself or become fixed. But... The idea of the more solemn promise, the solemn pledge, a solemn um, vow made to somebody comes from the idea of toasting with a drink, which was a way of people making a promise to each other. They would toast their agreement, toast their pledge. It can also mean a promise to abstain from drinking, which is a much later meaning. And even later still, we've got the pledge of students, usually American students who join a fraternity mm. or a sorority. And that comes from about uh, 1900. <laughs> so um, resolution from resolve, this idea of dissolving or dissipating, loosening mm. something. Then we've got this word solvent, which is when you have paid or can pay all the money you owe, which means you are loosened or freed from any ties to other people or other entities. If you owe somebody money, mm. you're tied to them in some way because of that debt. But if you are solvent, that tie is released, it's dissolved. You don't owe them anymore, and so you are not connected. And the problem is solved. Well, that's interesting, though, because if you think about solvent, paint solvent, the point is to dissolve the paint so that you can take it off. Yeah, exactly, right? It's exactly the same word. So a solvent is a substance that mm. dissolves other substances. I like that. Very nice, David. That's it. So, the reason we say... <clears throat> resolution and not promise is because resolution is more about your determination to do something rather than an absolute 
promise I will do this. It's more I'm determined to try my best to mm. do this. Yeah, that makes sense. Determination yeah. is very important, I think, in distinguishing both of them. So we talked about resolutions. Yes. Uh, any other New Year's traditions that we have? Yes, I have two. I have a Swedish one, and um, this. Well, I have two. Okay, is one of them a Swedish one? <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> this is something that I found recently. It is really cool, and it is called Oskong. Oskong. Now I probably mispronounced it, so I'm sorry. If you are Swedish or speak Swedish, please. Let us know how to properly pronounce it. But anyway, it is called a year walk. And the Swedes do this on New Year's Eve or sometimes before other winter holidays. And it was a form of divination. Right before midnight, the person would leave their house and go into the woods and walk in the dark through the woods, but it had to be silently. So the walk took place on New Year's Eve, and the Europeans believed that dark forces or supernatural beings were active and were mingling with the living. Basically, it was just um, a time where they would think about uh, their past year and things that they could change in the upcoming year, but they could expect some frightening entities, one being the brook horse. So the brook horse would invite children to ride on it and lengthen its back to accommodate more children. When the horse felt it had enough riders, it would jump into a body of water, drowning all of its riders and taking their souls for its own. Mm. So you wouldn't want to meet that. You would not. The other one is the Huldra, who was a beautiful tree-like nymph, said to be guardians of the forest, and they would lure people to their homes to either marry them or kill them. But other creatures did all they could to distract a year walker. Talking, laughing, or being afraid was forbidden during the somber walk. And those who broke the rules sometimes sacrificed their sanity, lost an eye, had their heads distorted, or simply disappeared, according to some 18th century records of failed walks that were translated into English. Okay. Yeah, and I read some other um, anecdotes where you couldn't talk at all, at all, or else you would just die. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and there's a video game, actually. Um, it's called Year Walk, and it's supposed to simulate you doing this Year Walk in the woods, and you meet all of these creatures. So this does connect with what Bridget, our guest, talked about in the previous episode, yes. where um, at certain times of the year, so the times that mark the, the seasons, those quarter days, including... Christmas, which goes into New Year, the spirit world and the regular world overlap, they connect, yes. or the barrier between them is really thin, so you get spirits crossing over. And maybe this is connected to that same idea, the same thing as yeah. the ghost stories and Krampus. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of it too, because as Bridget was talking about, there's always this uh, mashup of light and dark and good and evil, mm. and you know... Uh, this year walk is supposed to be something positive. You're supposed to go out in the woods. I mean, it's scary, and you're going to meet all these creatures, but 
the purpose is to do it on New Year's and think about what you can do to change, mm. but there's this darkness to it as well. Because the nymphs might marry you or kill you. Yeah. That's crazy. And the Bokhost might uh, drown you. All right. So what about any other traditions? Do you... Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. There is a song that is often sang on New Year's Eve, and no one knows what it's about. They don't even understand the song, and they don't know the lyrics. Ah, oh, yeah. Do you okay. know the song? <laughs> yeah. So the, the lyrics are, should old acquaintance be forgot? And I don't know after that. I know it's, it then says, old lang syne. So the first verse is, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind... Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? Right, so this is a question then. Should old acquaintance be forgot yes. and never brought to mind, never thought of again? Right. Right, should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? So what is old lang syne? So this was a poem by Robert Burns. Now, he wrote the poem in response to an ancient song that had been in Scotland forever. Um, but Robert Burns's poem, Auld Lang Syne, uh, that was the first time that this song had been recorded um, on paper. So the phrase Auld Lang Syne roughly translates as for old time's sake. And the song is all about preserving old friendships and looking back over the events of the year. Um, and I think it's really sung all over the world. It kind of evokes a sense of belonging, fellowship, nostalgia. But the funny thing was, I found that there are versions of the song that are played in the most interesting and unlikely places. So when you're in Japan, if a store is closing, they will play the song to let you know that it's time to leave soon. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, unexpected. But I also read that in that the song used to be not really a New Year's song. No. But it was just a song about, um, yeah, not forgetting old, peop old friends yeah. and... Uh, for old time's sake, drink um, yeah. drink each other's health and toast each other and, and remember people. Yeah, that's right. It was um, a drinking song, any holiday really, but it kind of became very popular as a New Year's Eve song because of the singer and radio host Guy Lombardo. And he's credited with linking the song with New Year's when his band, the Royal Canadians, performed the song on the radio in New York City in 1929. And from that point on, it just kind of spread across the United States and kind of internationally as this song that should be sung on New Year's right before uh, it turned midnight. Do we want to go through all the lyrics? Let's no. not. <laughs> we could, should we post the lyrics on the notes for the, yeah, this we'll episode? Great. All right, well, let's wrap it up here. Love and best. Oh. Okay, you, no, you go. Okay. You go. Love and best wishes from Dave and Amanda from the Alish Folk. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you very much for listening in 2018. And please continue in 2019. Have a great 2019, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks to Justin for the music, New Media for the artwork, and a big high five to Jeff at Central Sound and Picture. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at The Owlish Folk. Send us questions or comments to theowlishfolk at gmail.com.